Welcome to the PhD Talk podcast. I'm Eva Lansart, a professor in civil engineering and blogger on the side. And I am Sarah Cameron, PhD student and work in organizational psychology. In this podcast, we talk about PhD research and interview current PhD candidates, as well as those who work closely with them. We hope you'll stick around. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PhD Talk podcast. Today is episode 84 and we are going to look at Sarah's experience with presenting and defending her research proposal for funding that she was applying for. We've talked about this topic a few times in the past episodes when Sarah's writing the proposal and uh, when we did a recent catch-up that she mentioned she was preparing to for the next uh, step in, in getting the funding. So uh, before we get to all the steps involved with this, can you just uh, recap for our listeners what the project uh, is about? Yeah, indeed. So this uh, proposal I wrote um, at the beginning of my PhD, and it's something that many students at Flemish universities would write um, before they start their PhD as a way of getting funding for that for that PhD. And it really was a plan of what I would spend the next four years doing. And so I have four specific work packages with different scientific and practical contributions. And without going into too much detail, I was generally proposing to look at the role of emotion perception abilities in a variety of different work outcomes. And then with this specific grant that I'm applying for as well, there also needs to be a practical application. And so in uh, the case of the research that I proposed, uh, there were leadership development programs that could be developed based on um, the findings of the research and then also programs that could be used in um, selection procedures. So that's a very brief overview of uh, mm-hmm. the proposal. Yeah, and for sure, we will link as well in the show notes to the episode in which you uh, detailed all the the aspects of the research. Now, another aspect is, of course, the funding and or the steps in getting the funding. So could you just mm-hmm. uh, recap as well what the various steps are? Yeah, indeed. It, I mean, it's wild to me how long it takes, um, but I guess maybe I should get used to that if I'm going to stay in, in academia. So the first major step is just submitting the proposal itself. And I there, I mean, they look at your the, the research that you're proposing, but also at the grades you had in your master's, and you need recommendation letters, and a little bit at your, if you have any professional experience um, beforehand and your motivation. And if you're successful in that stage, and I think there, they're really looking primarily at the research that you've proposed, uh, then you are invited to a defense. And as I understand it, if you make it to the defense stage, they're more looking at you as an individual candidate because in their mind, the committee's mind, uh, your research has already kind of passed the test in that first stage. And so then the defense is more about, yeah, are you able to think more broadly about your research? Uh, how much have you thought about the practical applications? Do you seem like the, a candidate who could actually carry out the research that you proposed? Uh, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And just to get an idea of, um, of, of this approach, which percentage more or less of applications pass the first hurdle, the written proposal, and which percentage of projects ultimately get selected? So I know overall it's roughly 10 to 15% of projects get selected. And 
what I did hear, and I'm, I, this isn't official information, this is more what I'm hearing from colleagues, so I take it with somewhat of a grain of salt, is that once you make it to the defense stage, I think about 50% of the applicants will then receive the grant. So uh, I've certainly made it through, I think, the hardest mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. stage already. Yeah, yeah. And so you will have the the defense this month or next month? Yeah, so we're recording this on a Thursday, and my defense is on the Monday, so Ooh. <laughs> very soon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize it was that soon to, yeah. to, the, to the day of talking about it. Yeah, very um, uh, good timing. Mm-hmm. And after the, after the defense, when more or less will you hear back from them? Does it take a few weeks, a few months again, or how does it work? <laughs> Fortunately, not a few months this time. It'll be a few weeks. So I think one month after the defense, I will get the results. Mm-hmm. And what comes after the moment that you get the results? Do that, then I imagine it's an administrative process with registering the project and all of those steps? Yeah. And so, I mean, on a practical level for me as a PhD student, it doesn't necessarily change that much. It just means that in the background, my funding body changes. And so right now I'm paid through a project that my, where my supervisor was the one who received the grant. And so I'm hired by the university. Whereas if I'm successful with this grant, then I'll be hired kind of through the university, but really employed by this funding agency itself. Um, And I guess it also then means as well that uh instead of my research shop is kind of, you know, being in line with whatever the project goals were for this project where my, that my supervisor got, now it's really up to me to decide. And of course, I mean, I don't think it will actually change that much of my um, broader research goals, um, but I do have a little bit more agency maybe then because I'm the one being funded myself instead of being hired onto a pre-existing project. Mm-hmm. And that funding would start in January or when would in, it... Uh... Uh, November. Okay. Uh, so so quite soon. it's a quick mm-hmm. turnaround then. Yeah, I'll yeah, find out, yeah, I think, yeah, early yeah. October. And then uh, for, I think, especially for, for PhD students or this, if they get it, that means they can then start their PhD. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They, they want to be able to begin right away. Sure. And, okay, circling back to really the defense of the proposal itself, what happens there? Do you give a presentation? Do you answer questions? You said it's about you as the researcher. So how do they evaluate that? Yeah, I mean, some of this remains to be seen, but so I know that I have five minutes of a pitch where I'm really just giving a short kind of elevator pitch of my research. And I mean, to combine four years of planned research into a five minute pitch and also why you are the best candidate to carry out this research is uh, not easy to do. And then following the pitch, there's 15 minutes of questions. And there's a committee of 12 professors, two of whom have actually read the proposal itself. So they might have more technical questions about uh, maybe some of my study designs or the analyses that I've proposed. And then the others asking questions, it will only be based on what I tell them during the pitch because they won't have actually read the proposal itself. And just a curiosity question, because this would be Flemish funding? Yes. Federal, so Flemish funding. And is all the, are all the procedures always in English, or is it English or Dutch, or is there... 
Yeah. So I think, well, many of the candidates who apply for this funding are Flemish. Uh, the procedures themselves are all in English also because people on the committee come from all around the world, mostly within Europe. Um, but you know, the committee members themselves, um, most of them would not be speaking Dutch. And so, uh, my supervisor has been reminding me that relative to most students going to this defense, I have a huge advantage that I'm defending in my mother tongue. Um, because obviously being under pressure, I think that's, uh, even I will jumble over my words at times. And so I can't imagine how much more difficult it must be to do it in a language that you're not as comfortable in. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and so it's 20 minutes in total and that's it? And that's it, yeah. And I think these mm. committee members sit through, I don't know exactly how many, but I'm guessing somewhere between six and 12 of these defenses every day for a week, a week and a half. And so they have to keep quite a, strict uh, schedule because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise yeah. everyone gets delayed yeah and now looking at how you are preparing for this event how what are you doing to prepare to defend this proposal and to to prepare for the pitch and the questions well the first thing i did with my supervisor was brainstorm a list of potential questions that they might ask me and so i mean there's some general ones that they probably ask every candidate who comes there is, you know, why are you the ideal person to carry out this research? What risks do you see with your approach? This kind of thing. But then there's others that are a little bit more specific to the research that I actually proposed. And that's really where my supervisor and I have had a back and forth dialogue on uh, what risks we see in the research and then also strategically how you would respond or how you would position them to the committee. So that was the first thing that we did. And then Of course, there's also preparing the presentation, and I've now had three practice defenses as well, um, one just with fellow PhD students in my department um, to kind of uh, get my footing and do a dry run of the presentation and see how it flows, um, and then a second organized by the Research and Grant Office with other professors within the psychology department at the VBA, and so there you're really being asked more critical questions and ones that might come up from the committee itself. Um, and then I also did one just with friends. And I think that was also helpful because uh, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, you know, that people who are not coming from my exact field would also understand um, the value of my research because people on the committee are coming from, they're not all organizational psychologists. So uh, I wanted to ensure that I, um, yeah, was giving a presentation that would resonate with a broader audience, not just those in my specific field. Mm -hmm. And you already mentioned that your supervisor helped you identify potential questions. What other type of support and advice were you getting from your supervisor? I'd say a lot. I mean, there was preparing the questions and then also working on the flow of the presentation, making sure that there's always different ways to position or position why your research is necessary and important and what literature gap you're responding to. And so that was really something that we worked on together. Um, because, of course, the way you position your the research gap in writing a paper is very different than when you're, uh, you know, going up for a defense um, for a grant. Because, again, as I mentioned before, the people at this committee are not organizational psychologists. So I need to be a little bit more... Um, I guess, broad in how I'm 
um, arguing for why this research is necessary. Um, and then I think last but not least, it's also just encouragement and moral support um, that, I mean, you put so much time and effort into a grant like this, you want to see it go well. But of course, there's a much higher chance that it won't, um, that you won't be successful. And so I think, uh, yeah, being just more, providing moral support throughout that process um, has been really helpful for me as well. Mm-hmm. And just a curiosity question here that came to my mind. And um, is it in Brussels that you as well that you have to be? Yeah. And you will be going on the day itself, or what's the situation with the trains in the Netherlands? Can you can you get there <laughs> <Yeah>. easily, <laughs> or is that a, an added complication? <laughs> This is something I've been thinking about because um, you know, our listeners who are not in the Netherlands probably aren't aware that there's been um, a series of train strikes. And so that's really complicated travel um, for me in the last few weeks. I will be going the night before. And as I understand it now, there's not a planned strike. But uh, if if there is a surprise strike, then I will uh, have a friend drive me to Brussels um, because uh, I, yeah, with defenses like these are just, I mean, events like these, I want to be prepared um, for every possible outcome um, and not be stuck in Amsterdam because of uh, uh, an S-Rail strike. So yeah, contingency plans. Mm-hmm. And these are the kind of things that can happen when you have a, an important day like that. And yeah. And strikes and things that break down and whatnot. Misconnections yeah. and all that. And I always think on the day of, the last thing I want to be worried about is, am I going to make it to Brussels on time? Am I, you know, do I have a stain on my t-shirt? Is my USB stick going to work? <laughs> All of these things. I'd rather mm-hmm. um, I'd rather have those things sorted out ahead of time. And so, yeah, hopefully it all goes smoothly. I can let you know in the next, the next uh, episode. And that, that does remind me of when I went to Delft for my interview uh, before I started my PhD. I went in December as I, I had returned for Christmas to, to Belgium as I, I was studying at Georgia Tech at the time. And I took the train that day together with my mom. So I had some, some company. But we got off at the wrong station to change trains because they had changed the station where the train to the Netherlands connected. Then we missed connection in Rotterdam. And then I couldn't find the building on campus. So it was a complete uh, <laughs> cycle of disasters yeah. there. <laughs> One thing after the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, it will all go smoothly and at least arriving. I think you even mentioned this maybe in an episode on going to conferences that arriving on the day of is always a little bit risky, especially if you're presenting. And so it soothes my anxiety to know that at least I'll arrive the day before I can have the afternoon and dinner in Brussels and um, arrive at my apartment there. And uh, there's a bit of buffer time in case things don't uh, go so smoothly. Yeah. Okay. Getting back to our topic here. um, You already mentioned that only two people in the committee will have read the proposal and there also will be people from different fields. So how are you preparing for the broader questions that come from dif- from people with a different background? And I imagine as well that maybe some of the questions will be about you and uh, why you are the right candidate. So how do you prepare for those maybe less 
commonly used questions in, in our research. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because now that I'm sort of into the throes of uh, my topic, I'm much more accustomed to thinking about questions about the specific methodologies or why you're using one emotion scale instead of the other. And so to kind of step back and answer these more fundamental, broad questions is uh, surprisingly tricky. I'm just not used to it anymore. I'm For the former, so answering questions from uh, people from different fields, for me, it was really just the practice defenses that helped quite a bit. Um, because my research is on emotion perception, I got some questions uh, from a clinical psychology professor on, okay, well, what about uh, people with autism? And that was never something that had crossed my mind. And so that was a bit of a wake-up call for me to think about, okay, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of a clinical psychologist or an economist, um, what kinds of questions would they have about this? What sort of perspective would they be coming at uh, this proposal with? Um, because, I mean, research can be a bit of a, a closed circle. And so you're, I mean, I'm speaking to people who all kind of, you know, research things in the same way and are interested in somewhat similar topics. And this defense is really kind of stepping out of that bubble. And so uh, that's something I spent quite a bit of time brainstorming just the last few days. And then your second question on preparing, you know, for questions about me as a candidate, I think in this regard, having interviewed for a number of PhD positions, I could kind of rely on the responses that I developed in those interviews. Um, and so I'm honestly, I'm kind of hoping that I'll get one of those questions because I know as well, many of the PhD or hopeful PhD candidates coming before um, this committee won't have had any work experience. And I, I think given that this um, grant has a practical application, that's also something where I can um, kind of have my argument there that I actually understand how uh, research can be used in practice, especially in the, the case of um, organizational psychology. So uh, that one I feel a little bit more comfortable answering. Mm -hmm. And you were mentioning that you have a presentation for your pitch. So does that, and you were mentioning your USB stick, so it doesn't mean a PowerPoint presentation that you have or which other technical tools or physical tools can you use during the presentation? Yeah, we have a PowerPoint presentation and the uh, presentation was sent already to the funding body a week ago. So you can't be very last minute with these things. You have to be organized, which I think is also a good thing. So I mean, I can't make any change, last minute changes to those slides or anything like that. Um, but it's also something I'm thinking about is, okay, I mean, with PowerPoint, there's only so much kind of, so many engaging features you can have, so many animations on your slides and recognizing that these committee members are sitting through so many of these defenses all day. So I am trying to maybe have a few strategically placed jokes or something to make me stand out a little bit more because... The technology doesn't really allow for that. And when it comes to preparing for the pitch and, and the questions, are there any other technical tools or physical tools or tools in general that you're using? I think for me, it was just repetition and recording myself and listening to those recordings as uncomfortable as it is. Um, 
I think when I'm nervous, I have a tendency to speak more quickly. And uh, I also, I think just being a native speaker, I probably speak more quickly anyways. And so that's really listening to the recordings of the the presentation back again and trying to, um, you know, weed out if I'm using an expression that, I don't know, we would only use in Canada and it doesn't resonate with a broader audience or I'm really speaking way too fast. Um, that's been helpful. Um, but I think it's really just practice for me that's uh hopefully will be the key to success so touch wood mm -hmm. and then one final question that i have here how how are you feeling now that uh, it's coming up in a few days <laughs> well i would say excited i mean it's strange to think that you know it's something that i you've been working on for so long and uh this has really been so much of the first year of my phd um, so now I'm just excited to have the final step. And I think I feel pretty confident in my ability. I, I was much more nervous about submitting the actual proposal itself than the defense, because uh, I think, yeah, English being my mother tongue, I'm not really somebody who gets super nervous public speaking. I feel confident in the research that I've proposed. Um, no, I'm excited for the final step. And I mean, a little bit nervous, of course, but I think that's natural as well. I think with that, we've covered all the aspects of your uh, defense of your proposal that's coming up. So I want to wish you good luck and uh, keep us in the loop on, the, on, on how, how it went and, and uh, what's coming next. So we certainly will do a, a next episode to circle back on this topic. And all right. So with that, I would like to thank all our listeners. Uh, to today's episode. This was episode 84 and we talked to Sarah about her upcoming defense of her research proposal for funding for um, the next years of her research. And with that, I would like to thank all our listeners for listening to, to, to this week's episode and we'll be back next week with more on PhD Life and Research Mechanics. <laughs>